few weeks ago, I was driving down San Felipe, and I was at that section where San Felipe becomes memorial and kind of merges into Briar Forest. And it's only about a 30-mile-an-hour kind of area. And so I was driving there, and I guess I was going 29, you know, trying to, trying to st stay within the speed limits. And all of a sudden, I saw out of my rearview mirror this black car. It was a Dodge, but it, it, was, it was all murdered out. It was one of those low-riding, like, racer cars. Just This is midday, like around noon. Just cruised past me. I mean, that car had to be going 70 miles an hour on this small little stretch of road. I was like, what in the world? And then as it got in front of me about 15 yards, it made a sharp right turn in front of traffic. I mean, people had to literally put on their brakes. And it turned into the street on the left called Kensington Court. Now, 15 yards from Kensington Court is, is another street, which is Piney Point. So about five seconds after that, after this car just about killed and wrecked about three other people, this cop car comes zooming behind me. Boom! Woo, woo, woo! It just cruises by me. And it turns not on Kensington, where the thief or hoodlum or whatever they were, you know, uh, went, but turned 15 yards ahead on Piney Point. So I stopped at the light, and I saw another cop car in my rearview mirror. So I rolled down my windshield window, and, and I leaned out like, that way, that way. And just like in the movies, the cop went past Kensington, turned left on Piney Point. A third cop came, boom, cruising. I'm like, that way, that way. And so it didn't turn. It turned on the wrong street, turned on Piney Point. So I said, man, what am I going to do now? So um, I, I, I turned left on Piney Point. I thought I'd try to maybe, you know, run down one of the cops. But, man, they were ripping cruising. So Later, you know, as, I, as I drove back to work, I was thinking, man, what should I do? So I called a friend of mine uh, who works with HPD, a guy I've known for a long time. We have a lot of people in our church and law enforcement. And I called him and I said, hey, let me tell you what happened. I said it was a black Dodge, you know, just doing this. It was at this street at this time. And I got away. I'm just, I just wondering, hey, can you check it out for me? And my friend said this. He said, Ben, we have numerous chases like that every single day day. I thought this was, you know, live at five kind of stuff, news, you know, where you see the copters and they're chasing. This is like the one unique chase. He's like, no, we have chases like this every single day. And I thought about that. I thought about that we're all on a chase. So the cops were chasing after the bad guys and the black Dodge, right? But the guys in the black Dodge were chasing after something too. I don't know what they were chasing, talking metaphorically here, but they're all chasing something. So today we're going to talk about the chase. The chase. What happens when you're chasing the wrong thing? Now today's message is not easy. It's hard. It's tough, but today's message may save your life. So let's look at a story, an iconic story that's been translated into 1,548 different languages. It's an iconic story, it's a universal story, and it's all about chasing. 
It's in Luke chapter number 15, verse 11. Luke 15, 11. If you have a Bible, open it to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. If not, look on the screen in front of you and pop. There it is. Jesus is continuing to tell the story. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Wild living equals chasing pleasure. After he spent everything, there was a severe, a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. So when Jesus told the story, it was primarily a Jewish audience. Today, most people here are Gentile. There are some Jews here in the worship service, I'm sure. But this was very offensive and very dirty and very degrading to have to even get near pigs or touch pigs, much less to feed them. This is how low this young son sank. And it said this, he said he longed to fill his stomachs with the pods that the pigs were eating. Not Keurig pods or Nespresso pods, pig pods. But check this out. No one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. This classic story, this universal story is all about chasing. You have a young man who has too much time on his hands, too much money in his pocket, and he starts chasing pleasure with reckless abandon. He squandered it on wild living, on chasing pleasure with reckless abandon. The story can be told a million different ways with a million different chasing and turns and twists, but we know how the story ends. It ends in hunger and loneliness and emptiness and guilt and shame. Pleasure chasing. What does pleasure chasing look like? Are you pleasure chasing? Pleasure chasing, the classic, it looks like drinking, it looks like drugging, it looks like sleeping around, it looks like gambling, it looks like living a rebellious lifestyle. I'm going to do my thing, my way, find myself, am I going to find what makes me happy? I want freedom and the ultimate sense of the word. I want no boundaries and I'm not going to experience the consequences. Pedal to the metal. I'm cruising. I'm chasing pleasure. And it's not going to hurt or bother anyone. Perpetual pleasure chasing always leads to pain and heartache. Always always. Perpetual pleasure 
chasing always leads to oinky pig farming pod lusting. I remember over 20 years ago talking to a young lady right there near in our atrium who was a teenager who was eight months pregnant. She said, I thought this would not hurt anyone. It was just me and my boyfriend. But I've hurt my mom, my dad, my grandparents, my siblings, his parents, his siblings. It's affected so many, many people, my choices and our choices to do what we did. Now, she had the courage to have the child and have the baby and put it up for adoption. But the pain that she caused others around her, not just herself, was great. I think about another guy that I've known almost my entire life. And when he was in junior high, he was kind of, you know, doing the rebel thing. And in high school, he was kind of messing around the wrong ways. And his mom say, well, he's just going through a stage. Then he went to college. He was doing the same thing. Same way, still messing up, still bottoming out. Well, he's just going through a phase. Gets out of college, marries, gets divorced, married, gets divorced, married, divorced, seeking pleasure. Well, he's just going through a stage. He's almost 50 now. He's still in the same stage he was in junior high. Perpetual pleasure chasing. But the pain and the heartache in his life and those around him are vast and great. The story of the prodigal can be told so many, many times over again. We're just going to do our own thing. We're just going to rebel. We're going to go into that distant country, whatever your distant country is, and we're going to live large. What happens? Well, when you get older, pleasure chasing changes a little bit. Pleasure changing looks like what someone calls the three eyes. It turns into the three eyes. So when you get older, you can't, you know, play the prodigal anymore, but you can kind of dive into the three eyes. And the three eyes are, first of all, you, you indulge yourself. I'm just going to indulge myself in whatever makes me happy, whatever that is, whatever food, drug, whatever it is, I'm just going to indulge myself in that activity. The second thing you do is you increase your stuff. I just got to get more, and I got to get more, and I got to get more, and I got to get more. So you increase your stuff. And the third thing you do, the third eye, is you impress others. Post it, right? So that's what pleasure chasing looks like as we kind of get older and maybe a little more sophisticated. But it always ends in emptiness. When we put our identity, when we put our validation in what we have or how we indulge ourselves or how we can impress others, it always leads us to emptiness and insecurity and pain. Always. Always. How do you know if this message is for you? Or maybe you're elbowing someone next to you. Or you're saying, I sure wish was here. I sure wish was here. How do you know it's for you? Look around at your friends. Just look around at your friends. That's all you got to do is look around at your friends. What kind of friends do you have? 
Are your friends encouraging you to follow God, to be a strong man of God, to be a strong Christian? Are your friends encouraging you to live a disciplined life, holy life, a godly life, a life of purpose? Or are your friends dragging you down, pulling you down, asking you to come on out, come on with me, let's go do this, let's go do that? Look at your friends. Your friends are a window to your character. Now, obviously, I'm not saying you got to have all your friends who are just like you and think like you do and believe like you do. No, 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 no. But your core friends, I'm talking about your core friends, the people who you talk to every day or you text with every day or however you communicate with them almost every day, those core friends have to be people who are lifting you up and not tearing you down. So look at your friends. How are they affecting your life? Is it a positive effect or is it a negative effect? The prodigal, the iconic pleasure chaser that he was, he had all kinds of friends, right? When he was living large and the cash was flowing and the parties were loud and the drugs were prevalent and the drink, all the stuff, man, he had it all. But when he ran out, his friends disappeared. When he ran out of money, no one wanted to be with him. When he ran out of money and he was dirty and in a foreign land, no one wanted to give him a job. Perpetual pleasure chasing always leads to pain and guilt. Now that's that's one thing, that's, that's today's message, is this overt, you know, overt pleasure chasing, overt rebellion. Well, because of cell phones and computers and cars and all the stuff we have, you can also have covert, covert pleasure chasing. On the outside, I, I've got it all together, but you have a side situation, a secret life, a shadow life where you are covertly engaging in something that you know is destructive as you're seeking pleasure in a covert way. It's like you strike a match. How long can I hold that match? Have you ever done this? How long can I hold that match before it gets to the end of my thumb, till it burns my, can I, how, how, how long, and you know, if you don't put out the flame, it's going to burn you. See, it's, it's interesting how, how God can work in our life as the flame is burning down, as we've kind of, we're in that distant country as we're rebelling, whether it's overtly like the prodigal or covertly, secretly. God gives us these places and these wake-up calls to do things differently, to turn around. To turn around before we get to the pig farm. Before we're longing to, to find those pig pods for dinner and lunch and breakfast. He... he wants us to wake up and to live a different way. 
Someone told me this long ago, great word. He said this, they said, don't mistake room to repent for permission to sin. Don't mistake room to repent for permission to sin. So you think, well, hey, I'm getting away with it right now. These consequences hadn't kicked in right now. The cops turned on Piney Point, not Kensington Court. I'm going to make it right now. No, no, no. God has given you a window to repent, which means simply to change your mind and change the direction of your life. To get back on track with God. Stop chasing pleasure and to get back on track with Him. Don't mistake this room He gives you to get back on track as if He's blessing this time of you being in the distant country. Well, you, you don't know me. You don't know me, Pastor. <laughs> this is not going to happen to me. I've got this. I can quit any time I want. They're never going to catch me. It's never going to catch up to me. You're not different. You're not special. Sorry, I'm not special. It will catch up to you. The consequences will kick in. Don't wait till it's too late. Don't wait until you find yourself in a hospital or a prison or a morgue. Don't wait to turn around and get back on track with God. We, we were singing about it earlier. It's his kindness that leads to repentance and turning around. There will be a payday Someday. Not the kind of payday you look forward to, but the payday where the consequences hit home if you don't turn now and you end up wanting to eat pig slop. Not a nice place. I think about that show when I was young. It was, it was in syndication. It was a really cheesy sci-fi show called Lost in Space. Anybody remember some old school people in here remember Lost in Space? You can raise your hand. Yes, if you remember a couple. Yeah, yeah, Lost in Space with the Robinson family, Will Robinson and the real anxious Dr. Smith. And then they had the sophisticated robot that they called Robot. And it was like, young folks, it was like a metal trash can with a clear thing and some Christmas lights blinking, you know. And, and Robot had these slinky, slinkies for arms, basically, like this. But sometimes Robot would catch a clue. And when something bad was happening, he would go, warning, 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 warning. And his arms would go back and forth. Warning, 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 alien approaching. And they would be on the lookout. Today is a message for a lot of us here. It's a warning, warning, warning kind of message. It's a wake-up call kind of message. It's an opportunity, if you would, that God gives us to turn around now, to get back on track with them now, before those consequences that can be devastating kick in. 
Maybe you hear you're saying, wow, you're kind of being judgmental. You're judging me. You're being judgy. No, I'm not. Judging you means I think that I'm better than you. I'm not. The only difference between you and me is about, I don't know, about 10 feet, right, from here to there. We're the same. This is how it is. This is how it is. This is what perpetual pleasure chasing leads to. If you don't believe me, you can, you know, after church today at 11, 11, you can get in your car, go on I-45 North, kind of after an hour and a half, just go to Huntsville and start talking to some people there. And ask them, does that way of life work? Does it work practically? It doesn't work. It doesn't pan out. It doesn't lead you where you want to go. Now, let me say this parenthetically. Obviously, I hope, I'm not against pleasure. God created pleasure. He created us to enjoy life and to enjoy the pleasurable things of this life. I'm talking about seeking pleasure usually in an illicit way or seeking pleasure in a way that's paramount on your calendar and your life rather than somewhere else. That's what I'm talking about today. Now, this young person is in the distant country and they've rebelled and they spent all the money in their trust fund. They've come to the end of themselves by this perpetual pleasure chasing and now they want to eat pigs. But all the time while the son, the child has gone away, their parents back home, right? There's mom and dad and brothers and sisters and friends and people who are back home who are worried, sick about the person in rebellion. What do they do? We're going to talk about that next week. Because this story that we call the prodigal son is so multi-layered with meaning. So we'll hit that next week. But let's think, let's think about this. Why did the son leave in the first place? Why didn't he leave? Why did he want to go do his own thing? Why did he want to go chase pleasure like so many of us have? Why? It's because he didn't trust his father's heart. He didn't trust his father's heart. He didn't trust that being in his father's house and following that way would bring him life, would bring him joy. So he sought to seek it a different way. It was like the will of the child was stronger than the voice of the father. So he left. The good news is this, as the Father invites us back home. The Father invites us back home. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of 
chasing pleasure is death, but the free gift of life is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so I was getting ready for this message. I just started writing down the names of people I know. People I've known through the years. Friends of mine, acquaintances of mine, close friends of mine. I started filling up this card of names of people who were headed toward disaster. They were headed to the pig farm. They were headed to some massive, horrific consequences for the way they were living their life. But they heard that message that they could come back to God. They could get back on track with God. They could be forgiven by God. They could have a new purpose and a new plan for their life. And their life has been forever, ever changed. It's not too late. You're not in too deep yet. God's allowed you to be here or to hear this message or to watch this message for a reason. It's not too late yet to turn back to him. Heck, the Bible's full of people, men and women, who messed up, who woke up and went back to God. And God did something amazing with their life. And that can start today with you. You can get back on track with Him. Here's what's interesting about the car chase that I witnessed a few weeks ago. Remember the black Dodge and the three cops chasing, remember? Remember the criminal, wherever they are, the hoodlums, they turned left on Kensington Court. But little did they know that Kensington Court is a cul-de-sac. It doesn't lead anywhere. You say, well, how do you know that? Because when I was in high school, that's where I lived, on that street. If you're pursuing this crazy, perpetual pleasure chasing, whether it's overt or covert, listen, it is a cul-de-sac. It doesn't lead you anywhere. Get back on track with God. Receive the redemption and the grace he has for you in this moment, today, right now. And watch where he will take you and lead you on the road that is your life. 